Music and fun. Miskin Radio. So my first guest tonight is comedian Dan Offen. Hello, Dan. Hello. And our musician in session is Joanna McGowan. Welcome, Joanna. Hello. Uh, as for you, get in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram using the hashtag #thekpsessions. Um, yeah, we get loads of little videos on there, um, and you can sort of see what we get up to now. Uh, if you just follow the KP Sessions on Instagram and Snapchat. Uh, so Dan, Dan Offen. Um, now there's a saying, obviously, like if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Um, on your podcast, The Faking Lit, you do this, but deliberately. Yeah, well, to, to give an introduction to the Faking, Faking Lit podcast, Faking Lit is a podcast which me and six other comedians uh, sit around a table and discuss a book, uh, but the twist is we've not read that book. Uh, but the idea is that we pretend to have read it. Um, so the last one we did, although I wasn't on this one, was uh, they just did a special for the Game of Thrones new book that's coming out eventually. Uh, eventually it will come out uh, where we pretended to have received an advanced copy and then we wrote, wrote parts of it uh, out. So it's 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 a good because considering we all gig three four times a week, it's quite a good podcast to do because there's literally no prep work, no prep at all, no whole idea. And do, like, do you do you Wikipedia anything or do you just like we read the Wikipedia summaries? Right. But I, even then, I've, I've stopped bothering to be honest. <laughs> I normally do it when I get to uh, my my friend Chin's house. I do a bit of the Wikipedia and then we just go from there. What one of you should do though is is go into Wikipedia and change it <laughs> so then the other person gets it entirely wrong. Well, I hadn't thought of that. You should do, do that, that for your next one. Yeah, you, anyone can access Wikipedia. Yeah, it's, it's the gets, world we live in. It's amazing. It gets reversed quite quickly now. It does. Now, well, only if you put rude words in there. That's true. I did once uh, a comedian called Matt Green. I once changed his Wikipedia page uh, to say because he said he liked my hair, so I said he was a re- renowned hair critic, Ooh. and, it, uh, and that, that stayed up for about a year. So who noticed that? Did anyone like? Presumably some Wikipedia nerd. Trawling mm. through Wikipedia, going. He's not, not Matt himself. Not well, possibly, probably Matt. Actually, now I think about mm, it. Maybe it's like so. It's six comedians, is it, on the podcast? Yeah, we have guests on occasionally. So yeah, because you've also got like, but you've as well as playing like yourselves, you also have created characters within the the podcast itself. Yeah, so we, uh, my friend Josh, Josh Bellman, uh, is a very good comedian, doesn't gig so much these days. Uh, he's very good at characters, he's very good at doing voices. So he's done a huge number. He's Best one's Clive Rudolph's a divorced Australian, hates gender identity politics and desperately mm-hmm. wants to get his wife back, who oh. is a black trans lesbian. So it's all it's all goes through there. I do a couple. I do um, Steve Koenig, who's... Have you listened to the Serial podcast? No. Uh, it's a big, big name podcast. Yeah. Uh, but it's... I mean, yeah, <laughs> I have. No, I haven't. No. <laughs> well, it's very good. You should, mm. I, I recommend that over my podcast. But I, uh, I, so the idea is that he's her husband. Yeah. Um, and he's doing his own little podcast called Brand Flakes, but he doesn't understand how to do podcasts, so he's doing it on another so do, podcast. But, but you, so when you come in with the characters, though, playing the characters on the podcast, do you do research for the characters, or is that all spontaneous? Most of it's spontaneous. I normally have an idea. So I, ha- I came out of one that was Hungry James, uh, which a pun entirely based off the Hunger, J- Hunger yeah, Games. Yeah, yeah. There was nothing related to the Hunger Games. He was just a hungry man from mm. uh, from East London. And at the Edinburgh Fringe, uh, see, I keep saying like, so, so obviously comedians come on this show every week, and every week, I, we will, for the last few sort of months, we've been talking about the Edinburgh shows. Mm. And I've usually been saying like in three months' time, but it's actually well, like four weeks' time now. The Edinburgh, very close. Edinburgh Fringe. I'm only up at the last week though, so I've got a bit more time. But you're doing a show with your girlfriend, which yes, uh, and it's actually so your girlfriend is another comedian, and it's actually about your relationship, the, what you're talking about in the show. Yeah, it's called uh, Splitting the Bill. Alice and Dan are splitting the bill. Um, it's just, we've been going about a year. We met at the Edinburgh Fringe last year. Uh, towards the end we met at the beginning and then got together towards the end um, so we'll be doing the show over our anniversary so the Aww. idea is the show is that we're talking about each other we're talking about um, 
our relationship and trying to kind of give two sides of the same story. In part. Are you together on stage at any point? Like we together, might do sorry. at the end. We haven't previewed it yet, so it's not actually written. Mm. Uh, so I, anything I say now is purely hypothetical. So, so like the stuff, like the stuff she's going to say, she hasn't run by you. No, well, I see her gig quite a lot, and it is nice. It's nice watching her material develop because uh, mm. it's it's interesting how I come across as a comedic character. <laughs> Um, there has to be she's doing a really good new bit about how I like football manager um, and how that makes me a shadow of a man uh, which is probably true but so there's lots of interesting things it also because a lot of stand up is based off um, kind of internal thoughts that people wouldn't otherwise air so watching her thoughts come out and gives me a side of a relationship that I I haven't even considered to be honest yeah has she offended you? She's not offended me. I mean, she did call me a mega nerd quite a lot, but to be honest, I wrote that bit, so I think it's fine. Do you? I, I, I just picture like you both sitting down and writing together, and then giving each other feedback, and not like, saying, "Well, you could have done better there," but you know, three stars for trying. But. <laughs> we do a bit. We're, we're going to go to uh, go away to try and write the show um, in the next couple of weeks. Sounds like a rom com. This is a, you're going up. So you're going away to write the show together. Yeah, that's lovely. It would be nice, and we're looking forward to it. Um, I think, I mean, I've written quite a lot of stuff for her to use because, okay, she doesn't gig as much as I do. So uh, she just needed a tiny bit of a push. And now she's written some really good stuff herself. Um, but I think when we go away to go to write, we'll get a proper... Because the problem, we did the show in Brighton about three times and it went really, really well. But it was just all of the stuff we'd written before. So And a lot of that stuff was from when I was single. It was from when she was single because that's yeah. my best material. Um, so now we need to write something that feels as if the two halves of the show because you've uh, you've done you've presumably been well, to Edinburgh, haven't yeah you? yeah because you can have sort of split bills where you have two comedians you can have one one comedian just do an entirely different sort of ma- yeah. a material to the, to the next one you can have a one line and sound like a storyteller and that sort of things don't work do they so, so we, you, we wanted it to well. feel like it was a split bill where the two parts are really mm. connected and really work together not like a double act but still kind of feels like you're going to see something cohesive and whole and it would like so you're doing the show about relationships but do you normally feature in each other's material yeah, quite a lot of the material I've written in the past years about her. Um, I've just written a new bit about the way that couples talk about the relationships. Because Alice reckons the reason we have worked for a year is that we both like wearing pyjamas, uh, which I posit is obviously not true. Because uh, most of the time we're not wearing pyjamas. Um, <laughs> I meant normal clothes. But I... Uh, so... Going from there, I kind of write a lot of stuff now about how we see our relationships and how other people see our relationships. And, that, and that's quite worked well as normal stand-up, even so outside of the, the show. Okay, so this is a comedian, Dan Offen, and a musician, Joanna McGowan. Joanna's going to be doing uh, two live songs in around about uh, 50 minutes' time. Uh, she's another Kent musician that we've got uh, in session. And uh, we've got loads of Kent music uh, for the rest of the show as well, from here to eight. And then after uh, the show, uh, from eight till ten, we've got Trevor taking over with Soul Music. But we're still all about Kent at the moment, so we've got Hydro Mag here now with Primrose Hill. We are Evie! And you're listening to... Kieran Pool Sessions! So that is a Hydro Mag. His track is Primrose Hill. He's a Canterbury singer-songwriter. Uh, so in the studio we have Joanna McGowan and a comedian Dan Offen. Uh, Dan's going off to Edinburgh uh, in, a, in a month's time to go out to the Fringe. Um, Joanna is about to do a couple of songs for us. Um, now, Joanna, you've, you've been writing about songs specifically about life in your 20s. Okay, so I've written four new singles all about kind of being a 20-something and all the things that happen to you in your in your 20s that you think are just happening to you and then realising, 
as you meet more 20-somethings that actually they happen to everyone and you're just a 20-something. That's the point of the singles. And what are they? Do you want to like do a it. synopsis? Do it. <laughs> yeah, do it. So Wasteland is um, about feeling lost and trapped in a large space, i.e. your life. And you've got Fresh Air, which is about witnessing other people struggling and you just wanting to help but not knowing how because you're inexperienced. Then there is Call Me A Fool, which is about saying, I know I'm 20 and I'm young and I have dreams, but I'm going to go for them even though everyone thinks I'm crazy. And then the title track, which is 20-something, which is the realisation of all of those things and saying, do you know what, I am just 20-something. Mm. Okay, well, it's time for the first one. So, um, if uh, I'll let you uh, introduce it. So, this is called Wasteland. It's the first single, and it goes like this. Handfuls of dirt are all that's left of the wasteland. Just thorns and cries of neglect. I feel sorrow for the soul of the wasteland. This much like mine. Mm. Rain pours on the floor of the wasteland. said it would shine You can't find shelter when you're standing in a wasteland The storm will pass given time Wasteland If you can grow Then let me go changes here in the wasteland time moves but the stillness remains and I find comfort when I'm standing in a wasteland it reminds me I could start again oh I could start again
That is Joanna McGowan with her first uh, live song. It's called Wasteland, uh, and that's one of four uh, she's going to be releasing over the next uh, year. Um, is that ab- about a particular place? I really hope it isn't somewhere in Kent, I like to think. <laughs> is it? It probably is, is it? No. <laughs> it's not about anywhere specific. It's yeah. kind of, the wasteland is a metaphor for your life. That's the, the oh idea. Dear. It's deep. Mm. Okay, uh, so you'll be doing a uh, second live song uh, very soon, and we're going to have that uh, live on Facebook. Uh, we've also got uh, Dan often uh, here. Uh, we've still got the worst Jobby Wobby bit to do, and we've got plenty of live uh, music and Kent music still to come. This is the Brereton's with Beast. So now it's time for our second live song uh, with Joanna McGowan. We're going to have this uh, live on Facebook as well. So if you go onto the uh, Kieran Paul Sessions Facebook page, you can watch it as well as listen to it. So, Joanna, I will let you introduce it. So, this is a, a new song. It's called Whatever That Means. Living in the shadows of a lost love One you hope you never have to give up Haunted by the thoughts of what could have been What ifs See you doing now, playing back the scene Your lips on her lips, hands on her jeans See it in your eyes when you look at me You felt it I found my peace in letting go of us I just want to see you fall in love Whatever that means I found my peace in how you truly feel I want to see you do more than heal Whatever that means So you can break my heart If it fixes yours Trying to forget all the words you say Trying to convince me that you want to stay You may have buried feelings deep But you can't move on with me I see us doing now, wishing we could change But love isn't lost, it's not always enough I see it in the smile that you share with me You're incomplete I found my peace in letting go of us I just want to see you fall in love Whatever that means I found my peace in how you truly feel I want to see you do more than heal Whatever that means So you can break my heart If it fixes yours
Go and fix the love that you mislaid Whatever that means Hey, I found my peace in letting go of us I just want to see you fall in love Whatever that means I found my peace in how you truly feel I want to see you do more than heal Whatever that means So you can break my Darling, you can break my heart. It's time for this. Worst jobby wobby, worst jobby wobby, worst, worst, worst. Worst jobby wobby, worst jobby wobby, worst. So, worst jobby wobby is where we ask uh, our guests from comedy, acting, and music the worst, weirdest, strangest, most peculiar jobs uh, they've ever done. Um, so I'm going to come to you first, Joanna McGowan. Uh, what, what's yours? My worst, strangest jobby wobby was dressing up as a frog. In what context were you dressed up as a frog? I was a giant frog, hmm? but you may, well, I was too tall for the costume, so my ankles showed. Nice. So everyone kind of knew I wasn't a frog. Hmm. But I had to dress up as a frog and hug children oh. in high temperatures. Was is, it? is that a job? Yeah. For, for, why would they pay you for it? To keep children happy. Ah, okay. Fair yeah. Enough. What was it? A shop? No, it was a restaurant. Right. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> was it? Was it a restaurant in which it's quite hot? Yes. Do they like like a wet forest. Yes. Yep, like there you really go. warm. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, now, and one of the other jobs because that job is quite common with like actors and stuff because we've had yeah. two people come on and say like they've how they've had how to dress to up as yeah like dress up as as teddy bears in like uh, in, in in shops that sell kids toys. What's the thing with you in lifts? <laughs> I worked for a lift company and people used to press the emergency button in the lift and I would answer the phone when they were stuck. So that little, is it the alarm bell? That's yeah. And so, right, so if, I'm stu- if me and Dan are stuck in a lift right now, yeah. right, what, and we say hello, right, so we're going to, right, hello, me and Dan, we're stuck in a lift. What can we do? Oh, that's, I'm really sorry about that. I'm so sorry you're stuck in a lift. Where are you? What floor are we on? Lift. What uh, floor? Seven. We're on floor seven. Floor seven. Be between floors. Okay, well... Um, oh, yeah, because... Yeah, actually, yeah. But between floors. Okay, yeah. between floors. Right. Well, seeing as you're both young, healthy, fit young men, then we'll see someone... Is there a camera in here? How do you we'll know? We'll see someone within the next <laughs> six hours. How do you see us? <laughs> but did you have, like, did you have like real panic? Like, like pe- really panic? Because I'd be so yeah. panicking. Especially people with children. Yeah. Or pregnant people. Oh. Or the type of people that take the lift instead of the stairs. Yeah. I mean, you're just lazy. But how often does it happen that lifts get stuck? Oh, daily. Wow. Numerous times daily. What's the longest you ever left someone stuck in a lift? I'm not going to disclose that. <laughs> it's quite long. Did you like ever, did, was, if they annoyed you, do you be like, oh, well, we're not going to get something <laughs> that quickly? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, wow. Just wait a while before telling the engineer. <laughs> just let them sweat. Now, with, with, with stand-up, Dan, like, what's the worst gig you've ever done? Uh, I've done a lot of bad gigs because uh, that is puff the course. The worst one I've ever done was it's barely a gig. I was booked and paid to uh, play to minus one people uh, in somewhere in Kent, actually. I think it was in Kent. Um, basically, I got there. There were two people who were barely interested in the gig uh, and then three people in the same room who were watching the football faced away from the gig and were actively opposed to the gig going ahead. Uh, and they ins- <laughs> like in protest. <laughs> yeah, well, we kept on asking them, "Do you want to join in?" And they went, "No, no, we're not. We're, we don't like this going on." Uh, so we, I had to do. It. I had to do fifteen minutes because I was being paid fifteen quid. Um, 
and it was awful. <laughs> it was genuinely. And and why is it why is it minus people? Because uh, the three people who opposed the gig yeah. override the two people who were somewhat listening. And were yeah, were the two people like good audience members? No, they weren't really. They were just men we had a chat with. Oh. It was a there was so I had a chat with some men in a pub, but I used a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> and they oh, they didn't. Has that happened to you, Joe? You say? I've done a gig to no one. To, to no, no one. one. Yeah, zero people. But the sound engineer, surely, or was there no, no sound? It was no an acoustic engineer? piano. Oh dear. Yeah, yeah, it was really bad. But when, like, I guess when when a moment like that happens, you kind of it can't get any worse. I kind of think like nothing can hurt you. After well, I was that. halfway through a song, and the woman behind the bar <laughs> shouted, "Would you like a hot chocolate?" <laughs> I was halfway through a song. <laughs> <laughs> she was talking to you. Yeah. Well, it was only me and her in the room. Did you? Did you? What? Did you get one? Yeah. Nice. Did she bring it on stage? Like, did she bring? No, she waited. <laughs> um, and Dan, what's the thing with like the landlord? Oh, the landlord. This is a gig I did uh, in North London. Um, it was a gig, very very small pub. There was only about five people there. They're all just pub regulars, so again, they weren't necessarily in favour of the gig going ahead. Mm. But the pub was run by an eccentric, posh old Englishman who didn't understand the concept of comedy and just spent the entire gig shouting at us. From like behind one, the bar? From just around. one point he got onto stage to measure me, because uh, I'm quite tall. Your height, right. Yeah, I'm, right six, yeah. I'm six foot seven, yeah. so he, he didn't believe that, so he went on stage to measure, measure my height, yeah. which is the only time anyone's ever close to physically what, assaulted me. Were you me. doing material about being tall? Yeah, I mentioned right. I couldn't really get through material, if I'm honest. Yeah. I could get through feed lines, Yeah. not punch lines. Like, when, when you're doing that, do you, do you kind of feel like, oh, this, this can't get any worse, like, let's just do it? Or do you, do you like, rush the material? Do you just think, right, I want to get out of here as soon as possible? It's then? just, I, uh, well, those days, I was quite new then. So those yeah. days, I was just rushing through and trying to do stuff. Now, I just don't really care. Uh, if a gig's going to be bad, it doesn't matter. So the one with minus one people, it was for a promoter I quite not work for. But he's not going to judge me based off that. Yeah. Although, admittedly, he has not booked me again. But... I don't. I, don't, I think that's probably just because he's not had any openings. He might be stuck in a lift. You don't know that. Possibly. He might yeah. be stuck in a lift, and <laughs> now well Joe's be. no longer doing that that job. Like he's just pressing that alarm button, and literally no one's picking up. Yeah, he possibly is, but I, I hope he will book me. Um, but it's you just kind of go through it, and you just, it doesn't matter if, if there's no one there. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The, to be honest, that's those stories are funny, but the worst gigs are when you're in fifty front in front of hundred and fifty people, and you don't do very well. Because then you have objectively failed. So, do you, right? Do you find that worse? Yeah, well, I mean, right. it feels a lot worse because yeah. if there's zero people in the room, it's not your fault. You've not promoted the gig. You've just turned up and wasted your time. If you're in front of 150 people, and that's 150 people who now hate you, but it's unlikely that 150 people would all not laugh. So, if you have 10 people in the audience and one person laughs, the sound of laughter of one person is very loud, is it? Mm. But if you if the if it's the same percentage in 10 people out of 100, the sound of 10 people laughing is loud. And if yeah. you take that to a thousand people, that's a hundred people laughing. And if you've got a room of, all, of an audience of a thousand, a hundred people laughing, the rest are going to laugh because the sound of a hundred people laughing is really loud. So, is it like it's, it's very unlikely for 150 people to just be like, nah, mate. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I've not died in front of a big audience like that in a while. Um, I've, I was a, have you done Angel Comedy? Angel Comedy is fantastic. It's one of yeah. the best nights yeah. in London, and I really recommend it. But I have seen people die there yeah. in front of 100 people. Yeah, Very yeah. new comedians go out and go through five minutes of material that no one will laugh at at any um, but point. That, but that, the thing with like comedy, and I guess with music as well, like obviously that's a comedy club, and, and for Angel Comedy Club, it's, like, it's, it's in its own room, isn't it? It's, mm. But I, I've done gigs, and I'm, I'm sure you both have as well, where there's people there that haven't come for the gig. It's mm. a pub. 
So you've got people talking, and that's always very strange, isn't it? Because you've kind of got to win the moment. So you were saying like that pub, the gig you did with the landlord, and the people there are like angry because there's comedy. That's the hardest audiences you'll ever do, where you'll go on and people are sitting there just going for their drink and not and weren't aware there's comedy, and suddenly they've got to be quiet for you. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I always feel quite bad for those people when you come in and you're just enforcing a gig on them. It's like you've gone into their living room and demanded they listen to you which is rude, I think. Uh, so I feel quite bad for that. We did it in uh, Edinburgh in my show last year. We were in the bar and they hadn't got our room ready, so we were just in the bar. And there people in there just for a nice drink and we were kind of shouting at them and being like, why aren't you laughing? And it's like, well, we've come for lunch. We're not, <laughs> Don't we're you not think it's funny, you. though, that people would never not clap when you finished a song? Like, if you finished a song and no one clapped, it would be, ru- it would, would yeah. be rude. It wouldn't mm. be that you'd done badly. It would be... Everyone claps. In, in music. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. How could people be that heartless that they wouldn't laugh? No, but they would clap you off, off after, I think. I think they would. A lot of the they, time, the people Yeah, they will clap you on after. But you, yeah, you maybe. What if, not, some, if no one laughs? Yeah, they'd be oh, like, okay. so like, that's like John Cleese, okay? He would have got a clap and all. <laughs> but like, I would just you know, blah, laugh. blah. And they would, just, they would all. That's horrific. Yeah. Would you fake laugh? Yeah. Oh. She's coming to our next gig. <laughs> You're coming. Right. You can tell, though, it gets. And also, it just there's this deadening, awkward feeling. And they don't know where they're meant to laugh with bad comedy. And when comedy's going badly, you, they don't know where the punchlines are. So they yeah. can't fake laugh at everything. Mm. Um, it's uh, the gig I did last night was a bit like that. Um, a very nice gig, run by a very nice woman, but the audience weren't up for it, uh, and they just didn't laugh at a lot of people. The gateway to your community, Miskin Radio. Hello, Kieran here. Thank you for downloading. If you get your podcast on iTunes, don't forget to click the subscribe button so you get a free podcast delivered to you every Thursday of our best bits from that week's show. And also, on iTunes, do leave a review as well. We love those. And on Facebook, there's loads of video content you can watch as well. Just search the Kieran Paul Sessions. Bye-bye.